Welcome back to Expressions, the podcast. Tonight, we welcome fellow wrestling photographer and Gemini award-winning producer, Steve Argentero. I got it right, didn't I? You did. <laughs> so bad. So bad. It's all good, Brian. That, that so was good. an award-winning pronunciation, Brian. <laughs> there you go. Yay, I won an award. Uh, thank you so much, man. Um, Steve, I've known you for quite a while. Not necessarily known you like we hang out or anything, but through the wrestling world, I've seen you shoot, and, and you've been one of those guys that I look to. Like When I think of the top wrestling photographers, there's always Steve, there's always Jeffrey, who we've had on the show. Um, and there's a couple other people down in like AEW and stuff like that. But I've always looked at you as the guy to look up to in this industry because you do it so well. You're, you're awesome. Uh, I love your clarity. Uh, when, when I see a photo of that you've shot from even the latest stuff from like Edge and that, I make a photo from wrestling and, and I don't know, you may agree with me. When I share it, it's it's got a look. It's kind of grungy. It's, it's a little darker. The colors are popping. When I see your shots, they look like if I'm there looking at it. And that is... For people to to be able to do that, I don't think anybody understands how difficult that can be. I I rely on that look because sometimes the photos are just garbage, and I've got to make them look that way, right? Uh, where you can make them look clear, and, and that's really impressive. So I'm really happy you. that you're here. I know that's not all we're going to talk about. We also are going to talk about your full time gig, which I'm very excited to get into because that's the stuff I've wanted to know about. That's the stuff <laughs> I wanted to know, like how do you get into that, and 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 what leads to this, and so on. But before we do that. I want to say hi to John and Sean, Sean and John. It's got to say it in the right <laughs> order. <laughs> How's it going, guys? I don't know who decided that order. Uh, Sean, you first. <laughs> a lot more exciting stuff to talk about than me. Oh, it's not that exciting. Uh, I'm good, dude. I've, I feel like I haven't seen Brian in like, what, feels like 30 years? At least a month. Oh, man, or 30 that's years. too long. It, yeah, it, it has feels been like too long. I hate it. Um, I I'm just, I'm stoked to see Brian. I mean, I see John almost every day, really. We talk a lot. So, <laughs> you poor um, bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, I went to my first uh, fan expo ever uh, this past weekend. So, I got to be a super nerd for an entire day and not feel out of place. So, it was nice. It was a good time. You know, it's funny. Um, uh, for those watching, you might know if you've watched our, our history shows that we've done in the past. Uh, I know Sean through the skateboarding world. And the first time I met you, uh, my buddy Mike kind of introduced us and we were doing some shooting. And you were like the coolest guy, absolute coolest guy, wearing cool <laughs> clothes, doing cool tricks on your skateboard, you know, acting cool, partying the night before, but still able to be cool. Like, this is how I see you. And now you're like, get finally get to geek out at, at this best. Um, so what, <laughs> I, I love that. I love that the people today, there's, you're not this, you're not that. Nobody is this or that anymore. Everybody is just everything and enjoying things and, and able to be happy doing things. So I love the fact that you say that, you know, you're able to geek out and, and be okay doing it. Um, it's the fan expos and things like that, that I think give people permission a lot of times to just do that. And I think that should really bleed out to just being who you are in life. Um, so I'm surprised you're not wearing your Spider-Man outfit here tonight. Oh, I, I got it. Don't worry. It's, <laughs> it's, it's on standby just in case. <laughs> you awesome. never know. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad to see you too, man. Um, not doing the show every week uh, lately. We try and do them every week. Uh, not doing them every week lately has left a hole on my Monday nights and I miss it. So 
let's let's get to talking. But John, first, what about you, man? Um. Well, I had a slight flood in my apartment, which you know, luckily nothing was damaged. That was a lot of fun. Um. Yeah, some of that silicone caulking that you mentioned, Brian. Thank you very much. <laughs> Took care of pretty much everything. I went to VegFest uh, in Burlington last weekend and ate hey, some pretty good vegan food. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, like a vegan, vegan food. food. I thought that yeah. was like everybody gets like really stoned and just veggies. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that sounds like a lot of fun, actually, as, as, a, as a co-product to – to uh and actually so well, what you did i think is a much better topic to get into <laughs> <laughs> it was awful because i uh the food was really good but i drank a lot the night before and i ended up waking up way too late to like get to burlington or whatever so i grabbed the first set of shorts and t-shirt that i could find i'm walking out of the house in like a camo set of shorts with stripes on my shirt i'm like who the fuck are you fooling and then, like this, this uh, photographer comes up to me and is like, "Can I get a picture?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> so somewhere on the internet, there's me in this striped shirt and this camo set of shorts going like this, and I'm looking forward to finding it or having somebody I know find it. Anyway, now, that was my weekend. Striped shirt? Are you talking like an American stripe, like a flag shirt? Oh yeah, like both? a flag. Yeah, yeah. Seriously? No, 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 no. Okay, it's like, it's just, say, it's just <laughs> black, black, yellow, kind of gray. It's like a Volcom shirt. I don't know. All right, whatever. It was a shirt and you felt yeah, uncomfortable. It, brutal combination. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Note to but, self, don't wear that again when you go out. You got to pick one pattern, man. You got to pick, <laughs> if, if you're going to wear a pattern on your pants, you got to wear a, like a blank shirt or something. That's all I'm saying. Awesome. awesome. I'm stressed out about it. Can you tell I'm stressed? Yeah. I, I can tell just a little bit. That's yeah. okay. You're allowed. But I'm excited to talk to Steve. <laughs> it's not often that you're in the company of a Gemini Award winner. And, you know. That's true. That is actually really cool. Not often. Um, never for me. This is a first. So <laughs> that's awesome. Now, before, of course, we have to clarify before the show started, these guys are both like, what's the Gemini Award? And I'm like, um, okay, let's oh check it out God. because we want to know for sure. Man, we're old. <laughs> I know, right? It's it's basically the Canadian Emmys. It's a Canadian um, Broadcasting Award for Excellence. Well, it was. It was. It it's now known as the Canadian Screen Awards. Huh. Well, that makes but it sense. Used to be, it used to be called the Gemini's. Was there some sort of politically politically correct thing? Gemini uh, like great children when he was. <laughs> You're a looking too far into this. Yeah. yeah, that's never good. <laughs> Anyway, probably let's let's hope not. <laughs> but Steve, awesome that you're here. I really appreciate you taking the time to be with us. And we're not going to talk about all silly stuff all night. I have a lot of great things to talk about. Um, but you know, we have to be silly at the beginning because that's who we are, the soul. Um, first of all, I know you as a wrestling photographer. How did that start for you? I know how it started for me. We had Gigi on here before. We know how it started for him. I mean, everybody's story in wrestling, I find, is as unique as the people themselves, obviously. Um, wrestlers themselves get into it for so many different reasons. I got into it because my wife is a super fan, and I just like being with her, and we went to wrestling, and I just took pictures. What was your What was your origin story, per se, for getting into that? So a friend of mine got me into wrestling probably when I was around 14, which I think, you know, maybe kind of late in life for a lot of people who are, are you know, uber fans. Um, so a friend of mine got me into it, started taking So I started watching it on TV. He actually brought me to a couple of, uh, of cards at Maple Leaf Gardens. So that was kind of my first foray into live wrestling. Um, and pretty cool to think that 
you know, in light of everything that's happened, you know, Maple Leaf Gardens being, uh, you know, turned into a grocery store. Mm. Um, it's kind of nice to know that I was able to see, you know, some hockey games, uh, Globetrotters games, and of course, pro wrestling there. Um, but I would go there and I just started for no real reason, started bringing my camera uh, just because I, I, I couldn't even tell you why. Uh, it just seemed like kind of a neat thing to, you know, I, I, not even distract me. Just I, I just wanted to do it. So I started bringing my camera to wrestling events. And then, you know, after a few, I just couldn't imagine going without. And, and you know, talking about how times have changed, um, you know, if you guys have been to sporting events, uh, you know, like major league professional sporting events, you can't, you cannot possibly get into Scotiabank Arena with, you know, a, a, a long lens camera. They no will, chance. you know, they will not let you in. But, you know, back in the day, back in the mid 80s, late 80s, uh, things were different. So I was able to, to get in there. And Honestly, like the pictures weren't great. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, you know, 16, 17. I didn't know what I was doing, but it was fun. Um, you know, again, back then, no digital. It was all on film. You know, you take it to, you know, a, a photo mat and you get it developed. And, you know, there was that that excitement of seeing how they turned out. Um, so I didn't really get serious uh, until the WrestleMania 6 news conference. So... For people that don't know, WrestleMania is the WWE's big, you know, it's called the Super Bowl of Wrestling. It's their big annual event. And for the first time in 1990, it came to Canada, to Toronto, uh, at Skydome, as it was known back then. And so I was at a card at Maple Leaf Gardens in February of that year. I'm actually going to narrow down the date for you. It's February 4th. Wow. And... Uh, they made an announcement during the intermission that tomorrow, meaning the next day on the Monday, that there would be a news conference at Skydome involving the two wrestlers who were going to be in the main event of WrestleMania six in Toronto, that being Hulk Hogan and the ultimate warrior. Nice. And I thought to myself, Oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever. At the time I was in university at Western. So uh, I guess that would have been, I would have been probably 19 or 20, 20, I guess. And um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to try to get in as, and I'm sorry, I, I should say I was working at the university radio station at the time. What the connection is between radio and photography, we'll just ignore that, that there isn't <laughs> really one. But I thought, you know what, I'm going to use my, my, status as a member of the media or my perceived status and try to get in there. So again, difference between, you know, the way things work now and the way things work, you know, in 1990, I literally went to the Skydome that morning on the Monday morning, checked in at the media table. Hi, Steve Argentero with CHRW Radio Western. Uh, okay, sure. Uh, you know, go in and have a seat. So me with my camera bag walked in and sat in the, literally sat in the front row. And uh, out comes Mean Gene Okerlund, who is the host, and brings out Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior. And that was the first time I got up close and personal, not just shooting from, you know, the seats in the Reds uh, at Maple Leaf Gardens, which was like the second level, not, you know, ringside, which is where I, I eventually wound up. I had, you know, pretty consistently third, uh, third row ringside seats in the corner at Maple Leaf Gardens. But these were like great great pictures. I, I don't mean the quality of it. I just mean 
the access that, that I had. So mm-hmm. I got back to, so I drove back to London to Western uh, without even having developed the pictures yet. I cold called Bill Lapter, who was the, uh, I guess, the face of Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. And I'd known about the magazine. I'd been subscribing for, you know, I guess five years at that point, four or five years. And uh, somehow, again, cold calling, got in touch with him and said, hey, uh, I was at this press conference in Toronto, took some pictures, wondering if you're interested. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Please send them. Gave me his, uh, you know, the address to send it to. And then he said, by the way, do you also shoot the wrestling shows? And I said, yeah, I go all the time. Uh, He goes, well, we'd definitely be interested. So let us know the next time you go and we'll talk. So that's kind of how it started, um, how it evolved, I guess, from just being this hobby, just something to kind of keep me occupied during shows to something I was actually trying to to do as, I wouldn't say it was a job, but, you know, it was, again, kind of exciting to get paid for something that you were just having fun doing. Yeah, um, cold calling right at the top, Bill Apter. I mean, he's still somebody who's known today as uh, an authority in publishing for wrestling since day one pretty much so that's awesome that's very cool and it's interesting too paul Heyman pretty much got his started his start the same way right he he just went to new york city and and just took pictures there and submitted those photos and said hey hey buy my photos or whatever the next thing you know he's paul Heyman. so you know you know who else got that got to start that way sunny really yes i would not have thought sunny was a photographer so I, the way I found that out, interestingly enough, so uh, through my job at TSN, uh, I'm no longer there, but when I was at TSN, Sonny came in uh, for a taping of Off the Record, and uh, I decided to interview her for the TSN website, which was, you know, again, this was like 1996, 97, so really in, it, in its infancy, but we did a video interview, so it was actually taped on the Off the Record set taped through the control room. So with, you know, the highest quality broadcast cameras and, uh, and that got uploaded to, to the website. But anyway, just in talking to her uh, in the green room before the taping, she told me that, yeah, that, that's how she started. She was a photographer and, uh, and, you know, her pictures were noticed and that's how she got into wrestling. That's really cool. Actually yeah. for Sean and John to know who we're talking about uh, in the middle of that is oh. Sunny. Wow. Yeah. At, she, at one point, the most downloaded celebrity uh, on AOL. AOL, like my celebrity, goodness. like, like uh, in all of entertainment, it was yeah. her. She was definitely a hot topic for many years and still yeah, I'm seeing this, pops yeah. up. Apparently, according to the headline there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, I mean, there's so many different stories, like I said earlier, and reasons why we get into it. Uh, obviously, you have a passion for wrestling. You started much younger than I did, which, you know, it, it's it's interesting. I didn't, again, like I didn't really get started until I met my wife, Shelly. Um, and interesting, Shelly was at WrestleMania 6. So she went to that. Um, and her birthday is February 5th, the day before your inter- you, you saw that thing on, uh, or day after you, you no, no, it was. February meeting. 5th was the day of the news conference. There you go. So interesting uh, coincidences there. My yeah. wife, she's just awesome. But anyway, um, <laughs> speaking of wives, family, and so on, what does your family think about your fascination with, with pro wrestling? They hate it. They absolutely... <laughs> Seriously. Uh, they are embarrassed. 
by by the fact that I like it. Um, Offensive. <laughs> yeah, I kind of take it with a grain of salt because I, I think, you know, it's a very polarizing um, kind of, I guess, pastime. I think sure. you either love it or hate it. I think you either accept it for what it is or you think it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Um, my, my two sons were into it for about two years. And uh, one of the biggest thrills that I had, I don't think they were as enthused about it. They were, they were fans at the time, but when they were, I want to say 11 and nine or 10 and eight, uh, I got them backstage at a Monday night raw in Toronto and they literally met, met everybody like Mm. triple H, Chris Jericho. um, Wow. Trish Stratus, uh, like just uh, Shawn Michaels, like the heartbreak kid, the heartbreak kid, like, uh, who's who Batista during the uh, peak of wrestling during, that is yeah, the peak during one of the peaks of wrestling for sure sure um so that was really I mean again it was more cool for me I had my camera there backstage so I was taking pictures of of my boys you know standing with the wrestlers so very cool uh I still look back on on the memories to this day like I said I, I don't think they look at it as fondly as I do but I just I still think that's one of the coolest things I've ever had a chance to do in wrestling that wow. is very cool. And that's, that's actually a answered point. a question I was going to ask yep. you later on anyway. And that's so perfect. Um, I, I, you're talking like that. And I'm just remembering going to like Ring of Honor events and having pictures with Shelly and all these different wrestlers that she's always looked up to. And it is, it's an amazing feeling when you get to meet these guys. I mean, these guys are traveling and women, of course, are traveling all over the world performing every, I don't know, in some cases back in the day, every night at times. Yep. Um, and, you know, twice on Sunday. And literally they, they come to your little village, your little town. And you think, Oh my God, these guys are heroes. These guys are the most incredible things. Uh, I love that in this day and age, now that there's the WWE network and so on, we're able to really learn a lot about the history and the backstories and all these different um, interesting things that went on uh, behind the scenes in wrestling. You must have a really cool story or two of your time in wrestling, shooting wrestling uh, stuff that you've come across Maybe you can think of one in particular that would be like, wow, that, that was one of those really cool moments. Aside from obviously taking your kids in the back, that's a really cool pride thing, of course. Yeah, that, that was great. Um, I mean, there were a couple things that they weren't um, necessarily all, you know, positive stories, but uh, I remember being at uh, the hotel where the wrestlers stayed when we found out that Brutus Beefcake had been in a parasailing accident yeah and uh is i think there was a show in toronto on the either the 4th or the 5th of july because i think it i think the accident happened on the 4th um and that was just the buzz like being in the lobby of the hotel that's all anybody was talking about and you know again being you know i wasn't officially a reporter back then but i just remember the spidey senses tingling and god i should i should tell somebody and i remember calling bill again he was my guy at pwi and saying hey did you know about this and uh, I don't think he did at the time, so he was follow- he was going to follow up. I didn't really have anything more other than the fact that it it happened, but uh, that that certainly is a story that comes to mind. Um, you know, another one is just the the uh, you know um, the lead up to the Montreal screw job. Um, mm, wow. Oh yeah, that was you know again through you know my time at TSN. You know, we had Bret Hart. Uh, in to do a taping of Off the Record literally two days before uh, the Survivor Series in Montreal in 97. And 
you know, he went on and there, there were, you know, again, it was the infancy of the internet, but there were still, you know, newsletters that, that were out there and there were still, you know, all these stories about how Brett's contract was expiring and there was some, uh, you know, question about what was going to happen and, and would he relinquish the, the title and how it was going to happen. And there were all these rumors. And, and that was one of the stories that, you know, Michael Landsberg, the host, was talking to Brett about. And I remember talking to Brett after the show and just saying, hey, you know, what do you think is going to happen? He's like, man, I really don't know. I, you know, I just, I, you know, I know the ref, Zerl Hebner. Uh, you know, I just hope everything, you know, goes okay. And that was kind of it. We were, you know, I think we were walking outside. He was walking to his, his car that was going to take him back to the, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to his hotel. Um, and then, so that was on a Friday. There was a show in Toronto that night that I was actually shooting at ringside for. So not like ringside seats. I was actually on the other side of of the barricade right up at the ring, which was again, mm. one of the coolest things mm. cause they don't allow you to do that anymore. Uh, unless you're, uh, unless you work for them. Um, and then uh, I went with a friend on Sunday, uh, to survivor series in Montreal. And I was, then I was ringside, but I was behind the barricade, but I was ringside for the Montreal screw job. And, wow. um, did you I, get spit on? I, I was about to say I was literally probably four people over, you can actually see me in one of the videos and one of the oh my God. that I'm, you know, a couple, couple rows behind and just a little off to the side when Brett spits at Vince. Wow. Um, he had some wicked aim with that spit. Yeah, I know. I know. I got some incredible shots from that night that I've actually shared with Brett on a couple of times, a couple of, uh, on a couple of occasions. There's one guy, uh, sort of a friend of the family who's at one time working on a book. Uh, about Brett and I remember he asked me for for my pictures and I gave him like I had like again back then you know the in the film era I had like four or five roles and I just kind of gave him you know copies of it and I don't think the book ever happened and I don't think I ever got those prints back but anyway damn, uh, damn one of those things that happened but uh, film. I, I was just I I just I remember that because I just felt like I was you know not not really in the know, but I was kind of close enough to things that were going on, uh, you know, to know that he was worried going into it, that something was going to happen. And then when it happened, obviously everybody knew that, you know, the screw job was on, I think before it was even called the Montreal screw job. Like I remember actually like, you know, embarrassingly enough, my wife's going to cringe when she hears me say this, but uh, I remember like yelling from my ringside position, Brett, you got screwed. Brett, you got screwed. Wow. Because we really believed it. Like, yeah. he, you know, because he did. He did. <laughs> he did. He did. And, and, you know, again, that's why I kind of, people who say, oh, no, it's a work. It didn't, you know, Brett was in on it. He, no, I'm telling you from everything that I know and wow. from being around, unless Brett is the greatest actor in history, uh, that was a shoot, as they say. That was as real yeah. as it gets. And Insider knowledge. I've seen him yeah, on yeah, again, Dumb. again like I said, I don't great. consider myself an insider, but I did have <laughs> enough working knowledge. Uh, I, you know, I knew a few people at, at WWE Canada or WWF Canada at the time. So I, I hung around after the show and one of the guys is a referee, Jim Corderas, um, who I'm still great friends with to this day. And, you know, Jimmy was one of the guys I talked to afterwards and, and people are just walking around like zombies. Like they just could not believe what happened. Well, especially so. considering one of the wrestlers went into the back room and literally punched the owner of the company in the in the eye. Yeah, and we didn't that's... know we didn't we didn't know that at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, we obviously like we hadn't heard that, but uh, 
you know, thank goodness just for all of our, you know, for all of our knowledge uh, that, you know, there was a documentary crew, which by the way, that was Brett. So when Brett was on off the record, that was, I think his second time in two months being on off the record. And both times he had this documentary crew following him around. So we were very familiar with the fact that, um, that he had people documenting his, his almost every move. And, uh, but, you know, fortunately they, they, you know, they put a mic on him. They got some unbelievable shots backstage that, you know, without it, I don't, you know, know that we would have known the complete truth. So true. Yeah. So true. I didn't even thought of that. I mean, that, that wasn't common practice back then to have a, a, a film crew following around a wrestler. So uh, I would if, say it was, what are Vince it was even extremely rare. Wow. That's wild. Yeah, what a story! What what a play! What a thing to be a part of! Wow, the fact that you spoke to Brett the Hitman Hart is crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> well, Brett's—he's still doing his thing. Like I, he was at uh, a wrestling event local, and and the promoter gave me a call and asked if I was free to go and shoot some video behind the scenes when he was in town, and I wasn't free, and you know. Gosh. That was the one I was. I think that was the one I was ring announcing for. I was uh, Greek town. That's that's right, Greek town. Yeah. Yep. Okay, that's another thing. You, ring announcing. I mean, that's photography. Ring announcing. I mean, that's kind of different. I would never want to do a ring announcing thing. So, so I had. I guess you know one of my the way I got into. I guess the way I got into media, the way I became really interested in in media and specifically broadcasting was I had two people that I really admired as a kid growing up. One was Marie Eldon, who was the PA announcer for the Toronto Blue Jays when they were at Exhibition Stadium. You know, the shortstop, number one, Tony Fernandez. I like, I would do that all the time. And the second one was Howard Finkel, who was the longtime ring announcer at Madison Square Garden for the WWF, worked behind the scenes, but then also just became the voice of the WWF at all events. Uh, especially, you know, the big pay-per-views and he would have, you know, just the most recognizable calls, especially when there was a new champion and new. new. (laughs) Um, So I would walk around like as a kid, I would just walk around imitating him. It was the greatest thing. Anyway, never really had any aspirations to do that. Not, not seriously anyway. And so I'd been, shooting obviously WWF for a very long time. A friend of mine got me into shooting indie wrestling probably around 2010. So I've been doing that for a few years and the promoter for Greek town, um, called me one time. I want to say this was like around four or five years ago and said, you know, is there anything you've always wanted to do in wrestling that you've never had a chance to do? And I don't know, like in my head, I was started thinking like, does he mean booking? Does he like, what is he talking about? And then it just kind of hit me said you know what like i've always loved ring announcing and i i wasn't even really being serious i just said yeah like i you know i'm a big mark for howard finkel um he goes well do you want to do it i'm like are you serious i said yeah i go yeah absolutely i'd love to he goes okay you're on for the next show nice and that's how it started i you know honestly other than you know a few things like i i you know, I did a lot of radio in, in uh, university, but that was, you know, 25 years earlier. Uh, most of the stuff I'd done in media had been behind the scenes, producing on the assignment desk, that kind of thing. So uh, being in front of the camera, as it were, and and performing wasn't something that I was really used to or, you know, 
I, I guess even comfortable with the idea of, but uh, it was, you know, just one of those things where I thought, this is a great opportunity. Let's go for it. And I've uh, been doing it ever since. So like I said, it's been probably like four, four and a half years, I think. That's that awesome. I've been doing it and it's been great. Yeah, so much fun. And yet another avenue of, of being a part of the business that you can you can try out. And um, Yeah, I mean. Because as a ring announcer, you got to know all the, everything that's going on. I mean, you're, you're right yeah, in like the I, of it. I find myself at the Greek town shows. I don't know, you know, again, I know this doesn't work obviously for, you know, AEW or WWE, but I find, you know, at, at, you know, the indie shows that I'm, I'm doing ring announcing for, I'm also acting as kind of like a floor manager or floor director where you're, you know, you're always kind of worried about who's coming out next year. I'm talking to the music guy. Okay. Just making sure you have the right music queued up and, and okay, this guy's coming out first, followed by this guy. And um, because you kind of you're on your own. I don't have any of your piece. So I don't know if somebody's so I'm, you know, always checking, okay, the next uh, you know, the next guy up is, you know, whoever. Is he is he, you know, behind the curtain, ready to come out? Okay, great. Um, because you don't want to be caught because you're you're kind of the face of it. So yeah. um, but you know, again, the, the other great thing about ring announcing is that uh I've had the opportunity, not that I like I don't try to be Howard Finkel, but when I in, in my head imagine uh you know all the big names that he's announced for like i've had a chance now to introduce bret hart i've had a chance to introduce ricky the dragon steamboat to his entrance music that he mm. used in the 80s like it just to me those little moments like i'm probably the only one that really embraces it it's because it's a very personal thing for me but uh it, you know just it's given me those opportunities which i i really i love that you know steve this is why we do this show we do this show because we want to embrace the things that are important to us that keep us happy that keep us energized and excited um and that is awesome i mean that's absolutely something that i would i would carry with me in high like my my moment is hanging out with jake the snake right that that one moment that i had with jake the snake is it still carries with me today so i can only imagine how these moments have stuck with you that's awesome it's too bad though that your family isn't more into it. I guess, you know, I get it though because I wasn't into it until older. Like I said, uh, I used to think of it as kind of like a hillbilly thing, like a bunch of, you know, backwoods people would like their wrestling and this and that. Ah, it's wrestling. It's because when I was in Simsbury, when I was living in uh, Connecticut, Carl Bohm was this kid that I knew and he liked wrestling. And I kind of saw him as that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. So I just associated wrestling with that kind of guy, you know. And uh, it wasn't until Shelly welcomed me into the world and I met Ron Hutchinson that I yep. was like, this is incredible. I mean, the, the stories that go on, it's just never ending. So I love talking to you about it. I really appreciate you spending the time uh, going into some of those details. But I have a question about your photography because sure. you said earlier, um, oh, not all great. They weren't all great photos when you first started shooting. What was your learning curve? How did you progress? Like what, what did you did you take courses? Did you put yourself into, you know, was it just on the job kind of thing where you just practiced or? It was, it was trial and error. It was, I, you know, I took literally one photography course and that was a, uh, a postgraduate. So after I, so I went to Western for four years, took a year off, decided I want to go into journalism. So my first year at Humber, I was in a postgraduate journalism program and you took basically five courses radio, TV, newspaper, magazine, and photography. So for, you know, one semester I took photography and that was really it. So I learned a lot there about, 
you know, uh, lighting and aperture and shutter speed and, and how those, uh, you know, uh, you know, those, those interact with each other. Uh, but beyond that, not really. And, and, you know, partly because it just, it was never, it was never a full-time job for me. I had a full-time job. Um, and you know, I don't know if I didn't think I could make money at it. So it was just never something I seriously pursued. It was always a hobby that occasionally I thought, well, that'd be kind of cool if I could, you know, sell a few pictures to the magazine. I'll, you know, it's spending money. It's, you know, if I want to travel or if, uh, you know, if I want to upgrade my camera equipment, you know, I, I'll get some money to do that. But it was never, you know, again, because I never really seriously considered it as a profession. I didn't really go that extra step like I did with my actual career in media and going to school and doing internships and, and those kinds of things. Awesome. And it makes sense though. I mean, nobody really thinks that just doing what you love to do can just pay all the bills. So it's good that you had your backup plan, I guess you yep. could say. <laughs> um, speaking of which, it's been fun talking about wrestling, but we got to talk about your full-time gig because to me, that is equally, if not more interesting because now you're working with TSN, you're, you're traveling the world, you're, you're working with all these different uh, companies doing uh, producing of these shows that you love to watch. I mean, that was that must have been a rush the, the first time that you were able to actually some, produce something to do with, with this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when I was in, when I was in, uh, in, at Humber at, in this postgraduate uh, journalism program, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, and when it came to time to do an internship, you know, I thought, well, I've done a lot. I did a lot of sports when I was in, uh, in university working at the radio station. So I, I actually had, I had my own wrestling show, but I was the sports editor. I did play by play for Mustangs football and, and hockey and, and, uh, reporting for basketball and did all sorts of things. Um, and I thought, not that I knew everything, but I wanted to start, you know, I wanted to, to get some experience in news and some other aspects of journalism. Um, so I looked into, you know, city TV and CFTO and CBC and just for very global, uh, also, and for various reasons, it just didn't work out. So I had, you know, I had to choose TSN was offering an internship. The timing worked out. I thought, all right, I'll do, you know, go to, go to TSN from September to December and then figure out what I want to do after that. So I was doing a few things, nothing, you know, that kind of blew my socks off. It was just more, uh, you know, I was watching satellite feeds. Um, I, you know, they had me do a couple of highlights, which one of which was America's cup sailing. I knew nothing about sailing. I didn't <laughs> want to know anything about sailing, but I, you know, that was kind of my first foray into actually producing or writing something that appeared on air. So, um, Dennis Connor, uh, was the, uh, I don't know if you call him a skip, whatever he was, it was his boat for the U S and they were always going against New Zealand, I believe. So that was the first thing I did. And then I did, uh, I worked at like a local community cable station after that. But when I was at TSN, um, so like I said, my internship went until December. December is when obviously a lot of people go on vacation, take time off for the holidays. So they needed people. So uh, I guess I had impressed enough people that uh, I was asked to freelance. So that's how things started. I started freelancing there, picked up shifts, picked up more shifts, got a contract, uh, eventually got on staff. 
and kind of progressed my way up the ladder to the assignment desk um, and then as senior producer, uh, gotten to really travel uh, to all sorts of places, like literally, I guess, travel the world. I've been to London for the Olympics. Uh, I've been to, I went to Moscow for the World Cup uh, announcement when Canada was awarded uh, the 2026 World Cup along with uh, the US and Mexico. Hmm. Um, yeah, I've been to- I That wasn't think, too long ago, the Russia No, 20, 2018, 2018. Uh, I was in, I, I'm a huge baseball fan. I, I was doing all the baseball all-star games um so I, i've been to you know 14 or 15 different ballparks in the u.s which has been again mm. as, a, as a fan an awesome experience um now i am uh freelancing so right now i'm working on a documentary with uninterrupted canada on cfl rivalries and the one that we're working on right now is between the hamilton tiger cast and toronto argonauts which is terrific um you know as again a sports fan growing up well aware of of the rivalry uh, I know about the Ballard Cup. I don't know that the players that are playing right now have any idea what the Ballard Cup is or who Harold Ballard is or was, um, but I certainly am aware of it, and it's been a great experience. Um, the players are just a joy to deal with. The teams uh, are, are very accommodating and giving us all sorts of great access. I mean, we're doing it in partnership with the two teams and the league, so they are you know, they have a reason to be cooperative, but in general, I've found throughout my career that, that CFL players are just very accommodating, very down to earth, great to deal with. That's awesome. That is awesome. So when you're, when you're working in this, in this capacity, obviously you're, you're traveling around and doing all that. How, what are you doing? Are you, you're producing, but are you like, um, I know that in your LinkedIn, you, it had that you were doing uh, clips, uh, highlight reels and stuff like that, but obviously there's so much more so much more. Yeah. So when when I go on the road, uh, I'm basically producing the segments that will appear on on the news shows, or you know, if we put it on uh, on our web, on the website. So you know, I would be basically you know, let's take an example of an All Star game. So the last All Star game I covered, I believe, was in 2017 in Miami. So I had a reporter, Paul Hollingsworth. Uh, I had uh, our baseball analyst, Steve Phillips. Uh, former GM of the New York Mets, and we have uh, a cameraman. His name is Kevin Smith, and so we're basically this team that's on the ground. We're, you know, I've prepared ahead of time. I know the storylines going in. We kind of know what we want to cover. You know about what the media availabilities are, so we'll sort of strate strategically kind of plan ahead. Okay, we know we only have you know forty minutes or forty-five minutes with the American League All Stars. So we only want to get the Blue Jays. So here's who's playing, you know, here's who's on the roster. We want to get a couple other guys. These are the storylines because, again, you know, to, to cover however many players there were at the time on each side, you know, whatever it was, 30, uh, I think, when the, with the inflated rosters, you only have 40 minutes. You want to get to all these different players. You don't always get the first question. So you just you really have to strategize about you know, what our priorities are. So we want to cover this story, this story. We want to ask these players these questions. Uh, and then you kind of gather everything together. You figure out what you want to do. I'm dealing, you know, we're going live at six o'clock, dealing with the line of producer in Toronto. I'm worrying about the technical aspects, how we're going to get on the field. Um, worried about our signal getting, um, you know, getting through to Toronto. All, basically anything and everything that, emanates from that location 
I am doing my best to worry about it. If I can't take care of it myself, at least I'm trying to find people who can help. Wow. That's a lot of, uh, a lot of hats, a lot of juggling of things. He's uh, the problem solver. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, honestly, like that, that's how I, I honestly, that's really how I looked at, at, you know, especially when I was an assignment editor, um, that's kind of how I describe myself as a problem solver. If somebody came to me and said, you know, we, you know, we need to get a feed out of this place or, um, you know, we have a conflict here that, you know, I kind of looked at that as my job as being the one who solved it. Um, you know, one of, you know, the nicer compliments I got from, from a reporter who used to work there was, um, that, you know, I was so even keeled and I had like the perfect personality or persona for that position because, you know, it's, it's a leadership position and, if people see you freaking out, they're going to freak out. And if people yeah. see you, you know, on pins and needles and not being able to focus, they're probably going to be the same way. So if you can be calm, you can kind of project that calmness to the rest of the newsroom. Everything hopefully will run smoother and things will, will get done. Um, so I've always kind of kept that in mind and, and tried to lead by example that way. It's a lot easier said than done. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, but like I said, I, I think with me, it's just, it's just, that's it's, your innate. it's just, yeah, it's my demeanor. It's, it's how I've always been in probably, you know, every situation, both personally and professionally. So for me, it, it does come a little more naturally and I realize it's not for everyone, but you know, again, that's why I think that, you know, I was, I was well suited for that position. And, and definitely when I go on the road and, and you have a million things flying at you, um, you know, I can kind of, you know, put, put everything in, in its own box and figure out where we want to go and prioritize what needs to be done right away and, and take it from there. That's great. The, the world needs people with that kind of temperament too, you know, cause a lot of people who are, um, supervisors above me, even the way I work, you know, if you are walking around, like you said, on pins and needles and seem like you're stressed out, then the rest of your team, the people that are looking at you are going to be like, oh, well, he obviously has no idea what he's doing. So exactly. <laughs> what does that mean about me? You know? Yeah. So even if, I, even if I didn't know what I was doing, I tried to pretend yeah. that, I that I did. Fake and it that, till you, you make know, it. Right. And that's sometimes what you need. It's true. It's true. It's a hard thing to do, though, to balance that. I do it all the time at work. That's pretty much all I do. It's fake it mm -hmm. until I make it. Um, <laughs> Sean, John, any questions you'd like to ask before we uh, move on to the next segment here? Yeah, Sean, how's it going over there, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like fighting a cough and then smoking on this thing all day. So I'm trying oh, not so, to like interrupt. That's kind of like fighting itself though, isn't it? You're fighting a cough and smoking on this thing, you know? Yeah, no. It's Eliminate one and you'll help the other. <laughs> it's, it's a whole contradicting like thing. <laughs> um, so... Steve, is there any like, like I, okay, I'm trying to figure out how to word this where I don't sound like a complete idiot. So, <laughs> um, in your line of work, like, it seems like there's like a shitload of just of pressure and like, and people expect like a lot of you. Like, do you just like brush it off like it's nothing, or does it like actually like get to you in like a serious way? Um, I, there are occasions probably where, where it does get to me. Um, but I think I'm pretty good at, at sort of breaking down what the issues are and then kind of figuring it out from there. And sometimes you just need some time away. I think that that's also kind of what I've learned that, 
even if you don't have the answer on the spot, uh, there's nothing wrong with, you know, taking some time or telling someone, you know what, give me a little bit, let me figure it out. Let me get back to you. As long as you actually do follow through and get back to the person. Yeah. Um, but you know, there is a solution for, for most things and it may not be the ideal one, but you do have to just push through. So that's kind of the way I've, I've always looked at it. Awesome. Uh, I have a question actually, uh, actually on, uh, on the back of that one, do yeah. you have any sort of like techniques to keep you sort of like any sort of mental exercises that you do to keep yourself sort of well-rounded in these situations? You know what I mean? Like for anybody who's maybe stressed out or anything like that, because you seem like the guy to talk to. I don't know. Like you've been talking <laughs> for a second here and you seem very, very calm. <laughs> He looks well, he's well, like John, I'd love to, you know, if I had a secret, I'd probably be writing books and selling it and not giving it away here on the podcast. Yeah. But uh, no, honestly, like I, like I said, I, I just think it's, it's, everybody's got different personalities. Everybody handles stress in different ways. Um, this happens to be a strength. Um, you know, there are certainly areas where, you know, I, I probably feel I could, I could be better. Uh, you know, especially in the media, like sometimes I feel like I'd be, you know, maybe more creative. And I think there's a balance sometimes that if you're a little more even keeled, maybe you don't have, you know, your brain can only do one thing really well at one time. And maybe that means that you're not using the creative side at the same time as well yeah. as, as you could, or, or with as much potential as you have. Um, but like I said, I think in the positions that I've been in, uh, in leadership, um, you know, those characteristics, characteristics to me are important in the moment and you can always take sort of time away. And that's, that, that's what I've done sometimes is I've kind of gone away. And then if I have an idea, I'll kind of come back and go, you know, what, why don't we do this or what, you know? Um, but like I said, in the, in the moment, you know, if bullets are flying, so to speak, uh, I, I've always been the one to kind of try to just keep calm and, and, and hopefully that sort of projects to everyone else. That's I think perfect. that comes a lot with experience too. You know, when you're doing something that yeah. you feel confident in doing. Oh, um, definitely. I mean, you've already mentioned that you were at the press conference for WrestleMania six. That was 1990. So you've got a year or two where you've been, you know, putting this all to, uh, to, to the test. And I'm sure that just doing this stuff gives you that experience where at this point in your career, you're just drawing from your database of, of fixes for everything. Yeah, totally. And it, it's, you know, one of these things where, you know, you're in the presence of people that you see on TV and, and I think like everything else, gradually it just becomes, you know, your work and it doesn't seem like as big a deal, whether it's, you know, again, working with the anchors, the hosts that you grew up watching on TSN, for example, or working with athletes that, you know, again, like very early in my career when I was, you know, when I, I mean, it wasn't when I first started the TSN, but when I first started going out and, you know, covering games, you know, like I remember I interviewed Mario Lemieux, I interviewed Charles Barkley, I interviewed Shaq at one point, um, Wayne Gretzky, you know, it's at some point you sort of stop seeing them as, you know, these, these, you know, folk heroes and you just look at them as, okay, they're professional athletes. They're doing their job just like, you know, I'm here doing my job. And yeah, there's a certain amount of like, you know, early on where you're kind of talking to yourself and you're going, okay, just, you know, keep calm, keep, you know, don't, don't freak out. Don't, you know, it's not hero worship. Like just ask a question. Uh, but eventually you just get used to it and eventually it just becomes 
you know, again, your job. So, you know, whether it went from sports to wrestling or wrestling to sports, just again, you know, being able to just talk to people as human beings and not as, as athletes, not as, uh, you know, sports gods. Uh, you know, I think For that sure. really helps you just focus on your job and what you need to do. So I don't get, I don't get freaked out by those things anymore. Um, I kind of laugh inside when people do like, not, not in a ha, like, not in a, like, aren't you silly way, but just as a, like, I remember I was probably like that way, way back and you get through it, right. Eventually you get through it. Uh, and it's kind of nice to see people maintain that innocence of, you know, Oh my God, I'm in the presence of, you know, this person. Um, and you know, yeah. And maybe there's a certain amount of, you know, regret at losing that innocence, but I think it just comes with, you know, with the job, like with the job specifically that I was doing when you're, you know, when you're a reporter or producer and you're interviewing, you have to maintain a, a professional relationship. So you can't treat them any differently than you, you treat your fellow producer, for example. But you're still human. So have you ever popped yep. completely hard for somebody that you've been interviewing? Or I was literally just thinking about asking him the same thing. <laughs> there you go. There has to be some. Uh, like a real fanboy moment, wow. you know? Wow. I think... Hmm. You could say no. I can, yeah. Like I, <laughs> no, look, I, like I want to be honest. I want to, <laughs> obviously I want to try to give you a real life example. I don't, I can't remember uh, an occasion where I, I did, because even if I, I think I was freaking out on the inside, I probably mm. kept it together on the outside, which, you know, again, I, I know not everybody necessarily can do. I think I'm probably pretty good at that. Um you know, I, I think the first time I, I met Hulk Hogan, and again, it wasn't because I was interviewing him. I think I was just, you know, as a fan, saw him in the lobby of the hotel. Uh, I probably freaked out a little. Um, but, you know, again, that would have been, you know, probably well over 30 years ago. So yeah. not that I can remember. If I think Fair of anything enough. before the end of this podcast, I'll let you know. All right. Very good. Very good. I can honestly say <laughs> that a couple of the people you mentioned here that you spoke to probably wouldn't be able to keep it together over here. <laughs> yeah, probably me too. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> There, there have been a few people that have, have crossed my path that I've been just like, I couldn't speak. I just like, yep. and then the words come out stupid. Like, to be honest with you, our episode <laughs> that we had Tally Roden on, um, Tally is a stunt woman. Um, the the first thing I was said to her as soon as we started the show, I was like, hi. And it has this really goofy, high, crazy <laughs> voice. Like I'm some fanboy. Just like, oh my God, this yep. is Tally Roden. So no, I, I still do get that. Way. But good for you. I think it's awesome. Uh, I, I really respect your career and what you've done with it. Um, where you've come from and how you've been able to meet all these different people. It's not easy forging yourself a career, um, A, doing what you love to do, but B, doing it in media, um, especially with all the firings and the hirings and the people buying these people and the people buying those people. To navigate through that successfully, uh, it, it takes a lot of uh, determination and it takes a lot of persistence. So, you know, good on you. Congratulations for, for Thanks, doing man. so well. Seriously, I love it. Thanks. We have... I, I Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, after you. No, I, I was just going to say, like I, I, like I said earlier, like I think it's, it, you know, partly it's a function of the era that, you know, I, I broke in because um, I, I don't think that I would get a lot of those opportunities these days. Um, but I think it's also you have to sometimes make your own opportunities. You have to, you know, force yourself to, you know, to be at events that you wouldn't normally be at to you know, go out, um, you know, to maybe take off half a day of work because you think that's important um, to be at and it might pay off dividends down the road. 
Network, yeah, network, network, everyone. Yeah, Come on. That's what it's about. Yep. And you know true. what? That that when you when you made the leap between being in radio and then I'm a media person, like, you know, you know how many how many people just wouldn't do that? They'd be like, oh, I can't do that. That's something I right. shouldn't be. Yeah. Like, and again, it could have been a function of the time as well, like cold calling. Um, somebody with you said, uh, what was it? Wrestling Illustrated. What was the magazine? Pro, pro, pro Wrestling Illustrated. PWI. Pro Wrestling yeah. Illustrated. Awesome. Yeah. See, like these kinds of things nowadays, I don't think anybody would even try. So it's a very impressive uh, career you've had. And uh, yeah, I'm in awe. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. But I think it's also, uh, I think you also have to treat yourself professionally and and just be nice to people because what, you know, I think the message that I've I've tried to impart over the last few years is that no matter how talented you are, you're not going to get anywhere without some help, without people opening some doors for you. And, mm -hmm. you know, I think certainly, um, you know, if I look at things that I've done, you know, in wrestling, specifically with WWE, like none of that would have been possible without, you know, TSN's relationship with the WWF slash WWE in the early days. And Carl DeMarco, who is the president of, of WWF Canada, um, giving me some of those opportunities. I, you know, I, they, um, they used to send a couple of the wrestlers on this charity flight called Dream Stake Flight. They would fly down, you know, 250 underprivileged kids from Toronto to Orlando, literally for the day. They leave like seven in the morning and come back at one in the morning the same day. And wow. so one year, Carl uh, called me and said, hey, we're doing this. Uh, Trish Stratus and Val Venus were on the first flight. This was, I want to say, 2004. And he said, why don't you come, come with us? Great. And that turned into seven straight years of going down to Disney World for the day on this charity flight. And yeah, you know, cool, you know, obviously spending some time with, you know, some of these these wrestlers, but also, you know, seeing the, you know, the way the kids' faces light up and and seeing how the wrestlers interacted um, and, and really gave the kids their time um, was, was quite inspiring. Um, but, you know, by the same token, uh, I would go down there, I would, you know, we would shoot things for WWE, both still photography and video. Um, so I developed a relationship. Well, here's another sort of tie. So I would develop a re relationship with the WWE production office, which down the road led to me getting that backstage tour with my two kids when they were into wrestling. So again, go. people opening doors, being nice, being friendly, going out of your way to maybe do things, even though you won't necessarily, you know, get paid for it, don't necessarily expect something in return, but you're just doing it because you're nice, you're helping out a partner, you're helping out a colleague. Um, it, it really does go a long way. Oh, you're such a good Canadian boy. I love it. <laughs> you never know who you're Thank helping you. out, man. Very, very good advice. You never know who you're being nice to at the end of the day. So exactly. just be nice as a rule of thumb, you know? Just be nice. It doesn't cost anything. No. And I actually learned that a lot through the wrestling world. Um, you know how it is. You go to a wrestling event, everybody walks around, shakes your hand, says hello. It's all about being polite. And the wake that we leave in life is really important. The wake meaning like you're in a boat, you know, the wake behind your boat. Yep. It's the same for a human going, living our life. We're leaving a wake, a trail behind us of who we've influenced. And uh, to, to give a, hand, a helping hand to somebody, uh, like you say, you might not make anything from it, but it's certainly going to give you the joy of being able to encourage other people um, and be a part of the growth of other people. And I think that's 
something that's very lacking these days. There's a lot of loners out there. There's a lot of people who um, get very angry if people try and help or anything like that. I, I don't think it's very productive. We have to be able to help each other out for sure. Agreed. All right. Sean and John, any questions before we get to the three questions for Steve? I've got one if Sean doesn't have one. I'm fresh out. <laughs> All right. Okay. Sean, we barely um, heard from you. Come on. I know. He's <laughs> quiet today. Sorry, um, right. if I'm, we had the other hosts on the show, there'd be three people not asking. Oh boy, questions. yeah, all true. <laughs> or everybody talking over each other. Yes, um, which happens often as well. But um, yeah, I had one last question. I hate to lean back into wrestling again, but do you find that over the years being involved in it, as in, in the multiple facets that you have, do you still enjoy it as kind of like something to watch or as like a performance art? Yeah, you, you never really lost that. Um, no, I never really lost it. I still enjoy it. Um, I think it happens with every, yeah, every profession that you go into, you probably, you know, if you enjoyed it before you got into the profession, you may enjoy it a little less or in a different way because you look at it a little more analytically. Like I remember this is like one thing that stuck out from my magazine teacher back at Humber college who said, when you're done with this class, you will never read a magazine article the same way because you will always go back to the things I taught you about the structure of how you do, uh, how you write a magazine article. Um, and he's right. And I think it's the same thing when you work, you know, in, you know, if you work in a, in an entertainment medium or, you know, if you work in wrestling, you maybe look at it a little differently. I, I work in wrestling and in TV. So I have the benefit or, Maybe it's the detriment of, of having to look at it through both lenses, right? And, you know, so I can't necessarily watch a, a show on a Monday night or a Wednesday night without going, now why would they do that? Whether it's a wrestling <laughs> question or a TV question. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean I don't enjoy it less. Maybe I just enjoy it a bit differently and I'm a little more critical, but it, I, I still enjoy watching. I hope that answers your question, John. It does very accurately. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I have a question for you too. Yeah. Uh, and this is the important stuff to me right now. So I need to know what's your gear of choice and what wrestling groups have you shot for? Okay. Um, so as, as I mentioned, like I, it, it's, I don't take, I don't use photography as like my primary source of income. I don't make a lot of money off it. So I limit myself as far as how much I invest in equipment. So I use, uh, right now I'm shooting on a Canon 70D. Uh, I have an 18 to 200 millimeter lens, which I really quite enjoy for a bunch of, you know, again, it just gives you so much versatility. Um, not the best in low light situations, but I can, I can work around it. I can work around it. And I have another, I just, you know, in the last maybe three or four years, I bought a, um, uh, 20 to 70 millimeter lens. Um, don't use it that much. I'm not really shooting as much ringside photography at indie shows as I used to now that I'm ring announcing, uh, and doing some other stuff behind the scenes. So I haven't really had much of a chance to use it. So that's my gear of choice. Um, sorry, your other question was, who have you shot for? Who have oh, you worked yes. with? Yeah. So shot with PWI, as I mentioned, uh, shot with fighting spirit magazine. 
um, which is now defunct. But uh, I honestly loved, loved the look of their magazines. Uh, and they also had a very different editorial style um, from what PWI was and still is. Um, and all their pages were glossy, which PWI wasn't, if you'll remember. They had kind of like a middle section of, of, of those nice color glossy images. But then most of it was sort of that black and white newsprint. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. And fortunately, you know, again, the economy and, you know, money situations, uh, they unfortunately had to shut down. What's a magazine? uh, Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and oddly enough, like a couple, a couple have sort of popped up recently. Um, I think that inside the ropes magazine, uh, it's fairly recent. I think it's out of the UK as well. Fighting spirit was out of the UK. Um, so I have shot for, um, Ring of Honor, I've actually shot for them. Uh, I have shot for WWE on one or two occasions. Uh, I have shot for um, the TSN website. Um, I'm probably forgetting a couple, but that those are primarily the ones. Nice. Well, you know, you, you go small, you know, WWE, Ring of Honor, yeah, start small. <laughs> that's, that's honestly like that's that's sort of been the coolest thing is that you know, and again, I don't look at it that way and unless I sort of reflect back and unless I, I, you know, look at what some of the other people are doing and people ask me like, oh, how'd you get in? How'd you, and like, I could, if I could, if I could duplicate it, if I thought you could accomplish it, I would tell you, but it, like, I really think it's such a byproduct of the era and of my specific situation where I was, you know, working for the broadcast partner of WWE that it just put myself in this incredibly rare and unique situation that like i honestly don't know it could, that it could be duplicated now makes sense i mean I, it's definitely uh, an individual story i've never heard so that's that says something <laughs> very cool all right if uh, we have no other questions we've got three questions for you steve uh, the right. first question is uh one that you already know we we asked you this in our in our email Um, so the challenge that we like to issue our viewers, uh, for those of you who have been watching our show for a while, we'd like to issue, have our guest issue a challenge to our viewers, uh, in the spirit of, you know, uh, using the insight and the experience of our guests to challenge our viewer, to try something new, to do something that you may not have done before. Uh, Steve, you had a great one. Maybe you can, if you remember it, you can, uh, tell the world. I I do. Um, and I had kind of alluded it, uh, alluded to it earlier. Uh, be a mentor, uh, use your experience to help someone else out, someone who's coming up behind you, offer advice. Um, and you know, and when you can open the door for somebody, uh, give someone an opportunity that they wouldn't otherwise get, make a reference, uh, give someone a heads up about a job that you might've heard about. Uh, we're not going to be here forever. Like I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties, uh, you know, not that I'm planning on slowing down anytime soon. I think I just look at things a little differently now. And I, I really, you know, whether it was in broadcasting or, you know, wrestling or wrestling photography, like I just, I'm at this stage in my life where I just really want to help out the next generation. I really feel that, that calling, that obligation. And I, I really think it it's, you know, it's part of our humanity. Um, and I think it really, not to sound too corny, I really think it will make it, it it's something that makes the world a better place. So 
you know, in this time of where everyone's divided, let's let's try to help help out a brother and a sister. No, it's hey, absolutely true. You, where were you in the running for prime minister of Canada? Come on. <laughs> Come on. I would have voted for That's you. That's nowhere near oh, as thanks. cool as a job as he's already got. No, exactly. <laughs> it's a pay cut. They, they couldn't afford me. They couldn't afford me. <laughs> That's awesome. It's funny because I mean I have I've had people come to me for help through the photography and wrestling and stuff like that and I, I love it I, it makes me feel great. Um, do you have a lot of the local wrestling people or photographers and that coming to you and asking for advice? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about a lot, but yeah, I, I have had quite a few uh, quite a few of them come up. I mean, a lot of them is how do you get to shoot WWE or how do you get to shoot yeah. AEW and. You know, again, I just... It was a unique situation. It's a unique situation. situation. You have to put yourself in the right situation. But, you know, what I generally tell people is just, you know, you keep working hard at your craft. And and if you're talented enough, uh, you will get noticed. It may take longer, but if it's something you're passionate about, you keep at it and you'll get there eventually. Um, It doesn't necessarily happen overnight. And you have to be patient sometimes. And it's not going to happen if you just sit back and don't, email bill after or write a letter right. to bill after or somebody in that position that that doesn't have to be a bill after i'm just using that as your example you know what i mean like just to get yourself out there to put yourself into a position like you said to yep. to do these things that you want to do you know it's funny i i, I saw um, an interview with somebody and they said how will you meet the girl of your dreams well first off stop going to bars go to places that you love to do things and you will meet people that love to do the things that you love to do. And get right? off Tinder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's the same thing with your career. How do you how do you <laughs> grow your career? Well, you do the things you love to do and you network yourself out with people that do those things. And if you're good, like you say, somebody will catch on and they'll, yeah. they'll bring you up there. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. Be a mentor. All right. Question number two, which you don't know the, the question yet, is... What is your tool of the trade? That one thing that you rely on every time you have to go to work doesn't have to be a physical tool. It could be a mental tool. It could be a trick that you tell yourself. Um, but what is that one thing that you kind of rely on uh, to do the best job you can do? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. Um, I would say preparation. Mm. Uh, and I think that would apply to anything, um, whether it's you know physically preparing you know, to go out on a, on a, on a shoot for wrestling, you know, making sure your batteries are charged, making sure you have enough memory cards, um, you know, knowing who you're shooting, knowing what the storylines are, uh, those kinds of things are very important. You're not just showing up to shoot a bunch of random things. If you know what the, you know, what the highlights are, if you know what the storylines are, you can kind of better anticipate, um, what's coming next. I find that actually very unique to pro wrestling. Um, not everybody can shoot it. And I think you have to be following it, especially if you're shooting ringside. Um, you know, uh, as you know, Brian, especially like if you're a second late, you're a second late, like you're going to miss it. And, and a lot of times you have to know what's coming. And again, it's not, not like somebody who whispering in your ear, Hey, this guy's about to do a hurricane off the top rope. No. Like if you've watched this guy, you know, or you think, you know, what's coming and you could at least put yourself in the right position to do it. Um, you know, again, same thing in the media industry, you know, reporter, producer, um, again, be prepared, uh, as, as much as you can and be prepared for anything because, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's a hard thing to say, like 
be prepared for what you may not be prepared for. But the more you know, the better equipped you're going to be to deal with any challenges that you don't see coming. Absolutely. Great mm-hmm. advice. And the final question is, what's your jam? What's that song that just gets you going? You can't skip past the five star every time you hear it. Um, just that one song just gets you jazzed. You can't live without it. Wow. Um, you know, uh, God, there are so many of them probably. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love Paradise, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Oh, right on. It's probably, uh, you know, it's a long, long enough song. I know, literally know every word, probably knowing <laughs> my family when it comes on, uh, on the radio. Um, so I'd have to go with that one. That's awesome. It's kind of funny, actually. Um, I'm, I'm a bit, I'm a bit weird and obviously, but <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> me, no, no kidding. Um, but when COVID all first started and, you know, meatloaf was this big anti-vaxxer guy and he went around preaching, oh, don't get your vaccinations. And then he died from COVID. Um, Wait, that it, happened. Yeah. Um, oh wow yikes i kind of was like that whole like even like eric clapton all these guys that are preaching yep. this stuff i kind of took them off my spotify you know i took them off my my playlists and i was just like write write that stuff up i'm not interested in these guys but what a great song that is what a yeah. great tune that is you yeah. have a copy of that record oh it was meatloaf. Mom's, but I, had I used to listen to it all the time uh, i need I to listen record, to that. i have i'm not going to be that CD. weird anymore yeah it's awesome love the format <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, that's it. That's awesome. Thank you so wow. much, Steve. Uh, you have survived the conversation with us. And I'm very happy for it. I know yep. Yep. <laughs> some people haven't, so that's impressive. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> All right. Where, where are the bodies buried? <laughs> Brian. <laughs> Can't tell you. I have to tell you too. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I really appreciate you taking the time. I've said it a million times already. I really, really mean it. Uh, you're a great guy. You're a great photographer. I, I'm so happy that we got a chance to talk about what you do for your real life because a lot of the stuff I had no clue and it's really interesting. Um, John and Sean, anything you'd like to add before we say goodnight? Thank you very much for your time. Yeah, I've, I've gotten a motivational speech too. Wow, <laughs> I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to my LinkedIn page and start uh, ad- advertising myself as a mentor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> John, well, thank you guys. Uh, Thanks for the time. Um, Brian, I certainly appreciate all the kind words and, uh, and it's been great talking to you. Uh, we certainly don't get a, a, you know, enough of a chance to talk at, at wrestling shows. So no, too, uh, it was good to have this time on. together. That's awesome. Okay, guys. Um, Sean, John, thank you both for being here this week. Steve, can't thank you enough. I already tried. And uh, for the rest of you who've tuned in through this whole show, thank you as well. We really appreciate you taking the time. Maybe give us a like, maybe subscribe to our channel, tell a friend that we're doing this because we're having a blast doing this thing. Um, There's so many neat people that we get to talk to and we've got so many episodes we've already shot that you can go back and listen to. So thank you very much and have a great week. We'll see y'all next time. Peace. See you guys. Oh, 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 oh,